Hey everybody, I'm Andrew Shaver, and welcome to When We Wake, the podcast. My guest on today's episode, Montreal's Lauren Taggart, released her debut full-length album, The Lost Art of Pulling Through, at the end of September. In our chat, we speak about the circuitous route she took recording it, her time spent as David Bowie, couch surfing across the States, and the death of her father. Lauren has said that she didn't want the album to sound like the grief she was going through, but rather a celebration. Well, she's done just that, and I was so pleased to be able to speak with her about it. Here's my chat with Lauren Taggart. Lauren! <laughs> How are you? Wonderful. Great. Figure out what speakers you're coming out of so that it doesn't go into my mic. Oh, yeah. The incredible feedback loop. Interesting. My headphones are just not working. Well, that's not good. Maybe I should have figured this out before we were going to sit down and talk over microphones and speakers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, iMac microphone. I think I figured this out. Oh, I've done this before. There we go. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. There you go. Oh, my goodness. Hey, we did it. Wow. I'm new to the home studio thing. Are so, you? Yeah, I am. When did you start this home studio thing? It was a COVID thing, I think. Um, I never really thought I would ever have the patience, the time, or the knowledge to set myself up at home. Right. And then COVID happened, and I bought like this... Um, um this like starter pack which wasn't very good and throughout covid i upgraded to like my scarlet and my cloud and a sure microphone and now i kind of look legit whether i am or not it's looking okay and i'm actually able to record it looks it looks good thanks that's what really counts for radio <laughs> <laughs> are you happy with uh, with your setup are you are you content with what you've learned is it uh, what's it taught you about about making music um it's taught me that i have a lot more um a lot more time to explore things like i ended up being able to demo my whole album at home with midis and vocals and then i ended i was able to record a lot of it at home which saved me so much money oh i bet it did yeah i ended up recording like all my background vocals and my harmonies and the best part about it is now there are some of my contacts that know i can do it at home so i'm getting a lot more opportunities like hey i need background vocals on this song um i actually work with a lot of european djs that's cool because um I'm an English person in Quebec, and if they need an English vocal, they're like, oh, Lauren, Lauren can get it done pretty quickly. Why are the European DJs going to Quebec to get get vocals one way or the other? Why, why are they coming there? Isn't that funny? I, I got into like a weird and fantastic friend group very early on in Quebec when I first moved here, and all of them were French artists, and I have a very, like the Quebec-France market is very well connected. Um and I'm kind of the only Anglophone in that group of friends. And I guess it's just an easy connection to call up someone from Quebec or someone in the crew. So like German artists and French artists will ask me to do like an English uh, overdub. Wow. So, What's the most recent ask uh, without giving names if you don't want to? But what, what did you do? I can give a couple, like there were a couple songwriting prompts for... Anne Marie and the magician. Is that what his name is? The magician. He's a DJ. Um, but usually it's just like, we need you to say 
this line um, in a few different ways and it'll be like five words or say, hey, can you sing these five words in this kind of melody and then I'll send it to them. And then they make like a, it's it's not really music I listen to, but it's really fun. Yeah, I bet it's fun. It's like club music. It's like deep club music. And they're just like, we just need you to like sensually say like, call me up and, you know, <laughs> and they're like, mm, mm, call me up. <laughs> like, it's a great job. Man, what was it like feeling it, like the finished product of the first one you did that got sent back, you know, like, hey, Lauren, here. so here's the song. How, what, what was that feeling like? You know, what's awesome is uh, I got to see one of the DJs live in Toronto. He played the Drake Hotel. Um, he He's well known, but he has a fake identity and wears a mask. Uh -huh. He's like one of those mask DJs. Sure. And I got to dance to it in a club like he played live. That was crazy. That was really crazy. That felt insane. And everyone's like grinding up in each other. And I'm just over there with like off in the corner being like so cool, like a mom. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. But it's really funny. Like I have a playlist on Spotify that's it's called featuring Lauren Taggart. And it's just where I have done like a vocals for a DJs. You can go in and um, we didn't want to mess with my Spotify algorithm. So I can't be a featured artist because uh -huh. I don't I can't be associated with club music. Man, it's fun. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I don't want to be known for it, but I definitely want to be called up for it. So. It's a great job. By the time this podcast gets out, Lauren, the problem is everyone's going to know now. DJs, come call in. I, <laughs> my my voice yeah. can do many things. Love it. That's what this little home setup has allowed me to do. A lot more writing prompts as well. I can like uh, uh, set up with other musicians. But yeah, interesting opportunities and writing music for movies too. I've gotten that because they're like, oh, you can do this at home in your own time and explore it. And we don't have to like, rent out studios you can actually kind of do it at home so what, what's that process like for you for composing for for film it's kind of cool i posted this reel on tiktok like it's crazy how social media is just really the, the epitome of all of this but i posted a tiktok of me explaining how i recorded all my background vocals for my album mm -hmm. and how i did all my like gospel choirs and like layered all the harmonies and was able to send those in to the mixing engineer to produce the choirs yeah um and i had the director of the film and the producer of the film reach out to me just via instagram and they said we saw that tiktok and we thought it was really cool that you can kind of create this from home um would you be willing to write the music for this film and what they wanted was like the end credit song so when it fades to black they want this song and they're like we want a gospely um vocally layered song um and we just we like what you do and we saw that you can explore that at home and we're asking you to write it oh, that's so and cool I'm currently writing it and, it's and so you're in the midst of writing it yeah it goes to mastering this week how are you feeling about that it's so sick are you, are you done are you happy with where, where you're at i am yeah, it's a really, it's a really amazing song, oh, but I had incredible. a lot of freedom with it. And like I said, I just got to sit at home and create this like gospel choir. And um, uh, I went for after like they sent me the movie and I got to watch it, which and it's a beautiful movie. I loved it. Um, 
And they said, these are kind of the, the important parts of it. And these are the elements. These are a couple of the words we want to use. Mm. Like, it's like it's like a sync brief, really, but it's a little bit more personal. So it was really lovely. When you say a sync brief, we're talking about writing for like uh, a specific moment in a commercial or a TV show. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like we're looking for happy pop songs that have to do with the end of the summer, you know. So you got a, an equivalent prompt from from the from the writer and director of the film. Yeah, with a lot of soul. What was it? What were some of the prompts? Oh, I don't know if I can give. You can't give it? Okay, that's fine. I don't think so, because it's a very, it's a very niche um, film. Very niche film. Aha. Uh -huh. I, 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 yeah. Tell me this. When they approached you, were you like, oh, I know who these people are? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know Amazing. who Amazing. Is. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah, and I've known about the development of the film for a long time as well, just through, oh. like, kind of through friends and circles, and um, I'm really proud of them for, yeah, for creating it and that it's going to be in the world. So it's it's a great cast too. So I was like, damn. <laughs> oh, how wonderful! No, so it's it's had a lot a lot of opportunities for people to do this at home, and uh, I truly didn't know I would get to a point where I knew what I was doing. So that's awesome. It feels good. I bet it does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and what about acting in film? You uh, you're you're not just a, a a singer and a songwriter. You're also a, a very much a performer. Mm -hmm. You played David Bowie. I yeah, mean, I did. tell me about that project and, and how how it came to you. It's crazy. That was the greatest thing I've ever been a part of. I love that show. I love that tour. Um, I was. How I got the role was pretty interesting. Um, but once again, being kind of one of the, uh, I'm definitely not the only English artist here, but in my friends, in my music circle, it's very, very French circle. Um, so I just, I tend to be the the English person kind of in my connections. Sure. And I had someone reach out and said, there's this tour that's happening. There's uh, not a lot of information yet, but I know they want, English singer who can sing pretty low and you know good vibes etc um, and it was a friend of mine Chris and he just said like they're looking for someone to just fill in to help the band yeah. rehearse that was the original job mm. the band that was going on tour just needed to practice the set list and the director needed to create the set list for the tour so they just needed a singer to stand in and just run through the songs and so I sent off a couple of my demos and just songs and they wanted me to sing some Janice and some David Bowie and Queen just to see what my range was and they said that I got the job and it was just two weeks in a studio with the band and I had to learn 42 David Bowie songs Whoa. and that's when I learned that it was a David Bowie gig oh you don't even know that like it was that secret I, either it was secret or or the person who was like um advocating for me just didn't really just didn't really say it or didn't really know yet but I knew it was a secret for a while um but I got the job just being the vocalist stand-in mm. and so I showed up for band rehearsal every day and I sang so much David Bowie and it was pretty rough on the vocals but it was really fun and some incredible like just all over his repertoire and then basically the director would sit in and listen and watch as he took bits and pieces to create what the track list for the tour would be. And I did that for two or three weeks. And then I kind of didn't really hear, like that was my job. I, I wasn't granted the tour or anything. Um, 
And then two months later, I got a call asking if I wanted to audition for the tour. And the audition process was pretty intense. And it was three months long. The tour or the audition process? The audition process. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And what made it so difficult and so funny, uh, I did my first audition and it went well. It was amazing. You know, three different songs and then some choreography and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but the next audition, it was like they just didn't have a date for it yet for the callback. And I had an impacted wisdom tooth. Painful. But I was too scared to get it out in the event that they would call me for the callback. So I'm sitting with this impacted wisdom tooth. Wow. Studying David Bowie, waiting for this callback and uh, went for the callback, got my wisdom tooth out the next day and then uh, got the job. Wow, that's incredible. Rigorous. Then you needed to recover from the wisdom tooth uh, extraction. Yes, because we started rehearsals the following week. Okay, yeah. so you had a week. Okay, all right. That was sufficient time to to recover? Yeah, yeah, luckily, luckily. I should have just called them and said, like, I, I need this out, let me know. Um, but I also didn't want to, I didn't want them to be annoyed in any sort of way. I wanted this job so bad. Right. And it was incredible, and I did... I did hundred like a hundred hours of studying David Bowie, watching interviews. Uh, I got I was very fortunate to meet one of his old band members and backup singers, and interviewed her about what he was like and going on tour with him. And what'd you learn? Um, I learned that he is art in human form, and that he never left the Bowie. Like he is what exactly who he is. Um, that right. he teased people with that kind of artistic approach as well. Um, mm. And that you couldn't really, um, uh, how did she say it? You, you never knew more than him. He wouldn't let you believe that you knew more than him. He'd kind of go, mm -hmm, oh, wow. yes, darling. But in a lovely way, like he was just incredible. Um, yeah, that he just kind of had that artistic air about him but it was it was amazing it was amazing hearing someone uh would start the conversation like uh oh dave yeah dave dave and i were in the back of a cab once and i'm like oh yeah. my god talking yeah. about yeah not not your uncle dave just dave david bowie. bowie she's like oh yeah. yeah dave and i were like yeah exactly she, oh yeah dave and i were in the back of the cab and you know he said this and i'm like oh my god it's crazy like, bowie takes cabs wow yeah <laughs> exactly um he was afraid of flying, so he only took, you know, boats and cars. And oh, is that true? I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, terrified of flying, terrified. So, and I am as well. So I really connected. But I loved, uh, I loved the choreography training and movement training to move more like him in his, you know, most famous poses. And you know, how'd you go and, about that? Well, it definitely helped that he had such a wonderful kind of androgynous side to him already and such a fluid side to him. So it, it wasn't like woman to man. It was like woman to other creature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it was. Yeah. It, and I, I had a wonderful choreography, a choreographer and a wonderful movement coach. Her name was Mo. Uh -huh. um, and I spent, oh my gosh, I spent like a full month with her just mm like watching videos and just like movement by movement, how he moved his hands wow. to his legs, how he would look, how he would sing. And then the choreography for the show as well, just its own was its own thing, like dance numbers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, just watching him. I've danced my whole life. 
Um, I've always been an, uh, an athlete. Um, so, and, and musical theater I've done for years. Mm. So already knowing how to use your body was important. And then just, just imitation, the art of imitation. Right. And, uh, and then I also did vocal lessons to, uh, lower my voice, which, oh yeah, it's just still lower than it was before. So yeah. Wait, your, your voice has remained lower than it was mm -hmm. prior to the, oh wow. That's well, yeah, that's you, great. You would have to train it to go back up again, but I trained it What's to stay, right? to go low. Cause because we sang in the original key so he was hitting like like low b low a mm -hmm. for some of the songs which is hard for a woman to hit sometimes. oh i see yeah and so it wasn't there wasn't a question of transposing the key to the song it was about about you hitting what bowie hit no i really wanted to transpose some of the key like heroes oh you did uh, no i wanted to so bad oh yeah, yeah yeah no i asked for it and they're like no this is an authentic this is an authentic show um, so we had to train our voices, but well, good for you. It was amazing. No kidding. And, uh, yeah, the tour ended last November. Um, and, uh, and then after that, I was in the middle of mastering my album. So when the tour ended, I went like straight into basically album land. You, you went right out of the Bowie tour into mastering your, your album, the lost art of pulling through. Mm -hmm, exactly. Um, so we're, we're sitting, we're sitting here in uh, October of 2023. So you were mastering The Lost Art of Pulling Through when? In October of 2022, yeah. Gotcha, so a year ago. Yeah, exactly. In between tour, um, we would perform and I'd be back in Montreal uh, working on the album or in Toronto and it would kind of just go back and forth and then I'd find these free, like the album was recorded over like seven months or something. Oh, wow. In between uh, touring. In various cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the same band, the same producer, the same team, or it just not not the same engineer, not the same studio. So it's just wherever you were, you would you'd find the team, the new team to do it. Pretty much. Um, how when I originally started the album, I was working with one producer who was going to do the full album, but it didn't work out that way because I think I every song I believe had its own personality, oh. and. I found working with the same producer for the whole album. Um, I, I didn't want it to sound the same. I really wanted each song to have its own life to it. So I ended up leaving that producer and I wanted to find one producer for each song or one producer for like each clump of songs. Uh -huh. um, and I wanted what their specialty is. I kind of matched the songs to their specialty, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, so kind of the more big band jazz swing songs that were really big and full, I wanted to use um, just someone who just works with massive bands or like a band leader. Mm. And I worked with Daniel Lacoste, who was the band leader of the David Bowie tour. Right. So we were touring together and we kind of we were chatting about it and asked if he produced and then we said, well, who would we use as the band? And I remember us kind of both turning around and seeing the band of the Bowie tour. And we're like, well, this is amazing. I mean, what, if I'm available, they're available. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Like we have the <laughs> yeah. same schedules right now. So when you're not on tour. <laughs> Incredible. So part of the tour in April recorded the first chunk in May um, and recorded that. And then the next chunk, um, I'm a huge fan of like Feist, the national Tim Baker and I asked around to see who had produced Tim Baker's last album. And it was Marcus Paquin. So I reached out to Marcus and he did the next clump. 
And then um, I was in Toronto and recorded one song via Zoom with my friend Joe in Chicago. And then the last three songs in the album, I decided that I was the expert on those songs. So I produced them oh, myself. So Ohio, you so. produced Ohio. I did. That's yeah. gorgeous, that track. That one is, uh, it was too personal to have anyone touch it. You know, like mm. I love working with producers who throw in their own expertise and know what would make, would would elevate the song. But I just didn't want to hear it for that song. I was like, mm. nope, I, I know what this is supposed to sound like, whether that's, I was going to say whether that's correct or not, but of course it's correct because yeah. it's my song. But yeah, I, I didn't want anyone to touch that. So I said, that's going to Ohio and Boston and Eggy uh, de la Panac, I produced myself. Right. Speaking of Boston, I mean, that's such an interesting part of this, the the evolution of, of this album from, uh, from, from what I've learned that you were, I mean, there's so many interesting... <laughs> points uh in this next little bit you were couch surfing yeah. across the 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 states or mm -hmm. you know you were couch surfing through the states at some point in your life prior yeah. to the prior to march 2020 the last place you stayed was in boston with someone who I, you tell me but i in my mind it's like you've never met this person mm -hmm. you're staying on their couch you at the end of that trip you head home with the plan to come back to boston uh, and record an album with them as the producer. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Then, as you, you know, you're getting ready to go down, back down to this this person in March of 2020, and then we all know what happens, yeah. and the, the the project gets shelved and get and then gets developed in the way that we we just spoke about. Mm -hmm. Tell me about couch surfing across the states, and then <laughs> ultimately meeting this person in, in Boston. I don't. I mean, it's funny as I don't know if I would do that now because that's so dangerous <laughs> for right. some reason. Big time. Uh, how old was I? Oh, I don't even remember. Maybe twenty four. Um, mm. but I did. I did a lot of backpacking in my early twenties. Like I left Canada when I was twenty and backpacked kind of on and off in in different countries for about like five years. Um, I was um, a lot a lot more reckless and and not as fearful of the world mm. i don't know how i did it but i did and i'm glad that i did um but i i was just backpacking through europe and australia and new zealand and asia and i really love a lot of the history of the states especially when it comes to music and like the birthplace of jazz and blues and so i wanted to do a music and food trip of the states so i basically just bought a one-way ticket to one city and then went one way from there to another. Not flying. I did fly. I didn't I didn't become afraid of flying till my late twenties. Until you became David Bowie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> wow. I that's what I mean is I when I in my young twenties, I really wasn't scared of anything. Right. And now I'm scared of a lot of things. And we all are. I guess that's just growing up anyway and realizing you have like more connections and a lot more to lose. But mm -hmm. my early twenties, oh man, I'd get on a flight just for an hour away to go explore something mm -hmm. and then hitchhike back like i don't i don't know oh girl like oh my poor mother yeah i I, I believe it oh my goodness she yeah she oh gosh she had m multiple heart attacks i'm sure like oh mom i'm fine and oh god i <laughs> was too confident in my own self and my own survival that i was like they'll i'll be fine and and if i'm fine then they're fine and oh, well, i only understand it now um but yeah i would do like these one-stop 
fly to a city, do like a two two day layover, and then fly to the next city. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd fill those two days with music and food. So like the food of that city and the music of that city, famous venues. So I did like Philadelphia and I did mm. Chicago, uh, New York. Um, and then Boston was the last city that I did. I chose Boston because I was fascinated with Salem and I wanted to see Salem. But Boston ended up being and Goodwill Hunting is my favorite movie as well. Um, Boston was amazing. And my couch surfing host, David, um, I, I, he was amazing. He was amazing. We got on like a house on fire. He was so cool. And he introduced me to a lot of his friends who uh, studied at Berkeley. And so we just jammed and spoke about history and we drove out to Salem together mm -hmm. and we had a great time. And I didn't even know that he was a producer or studio owner. Oh my God. He owns a studio. It wasn't just that he was going to produce. He was, he had everything. It was a one-stop shop including a couch you could sleep on. He had everything. He was a producer engineer, <laughs> including God. a really nice couch I could sleep on. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think we really talked about that until maybe my final day there. And mm. I think we just stayed in touch over email and just said, you know, if you ever find yourself in Boston, um, you know, if you ever want to record anything, feel free, like come back and we'll, we'll make something together. Uh, and I flew back a few months later and we recorded my very first single in my company and the wedding song, my first two singles. And um, I just flew to Boston for 48 hours. We recorded those. I released them uh, and they went really well. And I, I, we just kept in touch and said, well, why don't we actually start an album? Mm -hmm. And I wrote Boston in the fall about my time there. And I started to kind of create an idea for this album. And I said, well, yeah, I'll fly back to Boston and just hang out and we'll just write and demo. And we just got on so well. And our creative uh, vision was very, very similar. And I love like New England is amazing mm -hmm. in, in the in the fall. It's beautiful. So it was really inspiring. And his studio's out in like a cabin in rural Massachusetts. So the environment was beautiful, a lot of Berkeley connections. So it was perfect. It was perfect. Until it wasn't. Until it wasn't. <laughs> and I had a Greyhound, uh, had a Greyhound ticket and I was going to go. And I, uh, I actually think I was feeling sick, but I, I wanted to go and I don't know if I had a gut feeling or something, but it was, it was like March 15th or something like that when I was supposed uh -huh. to go. Like, and uh, then, uh, yeah, the borders just closed very shortly after. So. Wow. Has he heard the, I imagine he must have, has he heard the album? And uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a, such an interesting mm -hmm. perspective he must have on, on this. Did, does he, did he know that Dave in Boston know all the songs uh, that are on the Lost Art of Pulling Through? No, this, the Lost Art of Pulling Through is like a from scratch project through gotcha. and through. Like what I had before, uh, I outgrew for sure. I was a different person and I had a different perspective on things. And um, I listened to the, some of those demos and it it sounds very young singer-songwriter. I'm sure it would have been amazing for sure. And we would have developed it, but I outgrew it entirely. So yeah, I'm not connected to it at all. Uh, so what 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 happened to those songs? Um, they're They're just... A, a piece of your story that are now in the past kind of thing? 
yeah, sitting in my Dropbox. Mm. I think if I brought it to the right person, we could develop it. Uh, a lot of blues songs. That The original was a lot more bluesy. Um, I could probably pull them out to do some development and see where they go. Right. But they're just sitting in my Dropbox. Um, I, I, You know what? I haven't looked at them in a long time. Mm. But I, uh, I still perform a lot of them live because mm. they're they're good they're good live songs. But as a recording, I'm not I'm not so sure. I see. So yeah, I'll, uh, maybe I'll I'll crack open the box. We'll see, we'll see. Now, at what at what point did your father pass away? Was that was that in 2020? It was 2020, which is just awesome. Like <laughs> from bad to worse, hey. Oh man. Mm. It must have been just terrible mm -hmm. losing your father at all, but then uh, losing your father in the middle of, uh, well, the beginning of a pandemic when it was probably even probably the worst time to lose someone in the pandemic because I you know, I don't know. Were you, were you able to see him? Were you able to be with him? I was not able to be with him. No, no. I hadn't seen him for a couple of years prior to that. Um, mm -hmm. we're, we were on opposite sides of the country. And my dad was a very big supporter of my traveling and my experiences and want like he would rather see me go and couch surf America than come home for a week just to visit. He supported me just going and exploring. Um, and he also, it was unexpected for me as well. Um, so there wasn't really much time to plan for anything like that. Um, it, you know, doing having it happen in COVID was the worst, but it was the best as well because um, I didn't have to take time off work. I didn't have to worry about talking to anyone or being with people. I could just grieve alone. Well, I had my husband, of course, but I could just, you know, I, I couldn't imagine having to go through it now and having to figure out how I'm going to afford rent by taking a week off work or flying out. I could just coast because I had Serb. And there's never a great time to lose someone, but I have to say I was pretty grateful for that. Wow. Because I could just get Serb coming in and it allowed me to heal so wonderfully mm. and uh healthily because I just I just didn't have to worry about going to work mm. or the daily life of anything. I just I stayed in bed and I felt what I needed to feel, knowing that bills were paid, rent was paid. Like, honestly, I couldn't be more grateful for losing him in that time. Oh, my goodness. Because it, it's yeah. going to happen. So I, I'm so glad it, you know, like, I'm not glad. But it it was like the ducks were in the row or in a row or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, it really was a blessing. Ugh. However, I however you say that it was. Yeah. So, yeah. You, I've, I've heard you say that you didn't want the album to sound um like the grief that you were feeling you wanted yeah. it to 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 feel like a celebration yeah i entered a, a pretty depressive writer's block shortly after he passed um and like i said i outgrew the old songs because i'd play them and i was like i'm different now i'm, I'm right. wiser now um they just sounded they sounded like someone who hadn't really gone through anything um i've been through breakups or you know but I hadn't really felt true pain before. So um, they just didn't sound like someone who had gone through anything. I needed to write different music. So, But when I would sit down to write about what I was feeling, grief, it was just so 
minor key and sad and like too literal and you know my dad just wasn't sad like if it, it I just didn't want it to be an album of like she clearly was grieving I want to listen to this album 10 years from now and be like that was a healing person who was surrounded by good people who explored the range of emotion and and also had was comfortable enough to be vulnerable when she did touch the dark stuff. That's what I wanted was hope and healthy. That's what I want. Right. Um, so I, yeah, my depressive writer's block stopped me from really getting there. And that was the first time I opened myself up to co-writing with people. So, and co-writing and collaborating is actually what made this album incredible. So... Oh, that's yeah. so interesting. In 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 what sense? I mean, I think I can imagine how, but how, how did co-writing open it up and, and make this album what um, it is for you? Definitely just getting me out of my slump and just connecting with another person already elevated my vibe and my emotions. Because again, we were in mm. COVID. We were still isolated. Like the world was still scary. So right. just being around another person or another friend upped the mood. Oh my God, yeah. Um, and just people bringing in their own musical styles was really nice because I felt really mm. stuck in a style of what moody or ballady or um, it was nice for someone to elevate me out of it and bring their own take on it and their own perspective. And they weren't grieving. I'm, you know, I'm sure everyone has their own thing at all times, but they were able to like talk me through it and say, well, what do you actually want to say here? Uh-huh. So they would help me like develop from well I'm feeling sad well they're like paint a better picture of that right. what do you miss what are the beautiful things about dad what what are the what are your favorite memories and then happy memories would come and then we'd kind of like develop happy melodies from that and oh that's great it just took me out of the slump so and then from there my own songwriting that I do alone started on like a higher um just a higher vibe, you know? And that's how I wrote Tell Me How, because it was like, I was feeling so elevated by people. I was like, oh, I can write like a song about missing someone, but make it lovely. Yeah. So, yeah. I was going to ask you what, what your your favorite song on, on this, this album is. And I mean, it's it's probably like, you know, it's hard to pick your favorite kid. Yeah, exactly. I have 10 children now. Right. Um, they are all very different personalities. Um, it changes. It changes every day. Sure. It really does. Sure. I think my most oh God. Yeah. It, like it changes even within the two seconds I'm trying to decide. Um, I'm probably most proud of the vow. Because it's just so out and there in terms of jazz. What rock. a terrific music video, oh, too. Thank you. Yeah, it's such a good video. One take, what you guys have done with that video is is splendid. That was my dream. That's mm. my dream music video. Um, yeah, the one take Hollywood it's great. glam. I produced that myself as well. That was you. amazing. That was my favorite project in the whole album. Um, tell me how. I'm very excited about it. It's um journey because it's done so well um and then Iggy Dalapinok being the instrumental I'm very proud of that as well writing string arrangement um mm. yeah that was right. I'm really really proud of that 
these uh 40 minute zooms are gonna be the death of me I, I don't i don't know where it is we're down to like i don't know it doesn't even say it's less than a minute on my end it's probably like 14 seconds uh lauren taggart it's been such a pleasure uh speaking with you i, I love your album the lost awesome. art of falling through is so beautiful thank you thank you right on all right my friend okay thank you for having you me you got it it's really really splendid <laughs> Well, these drums can mean only one thing. It's the end of the podcast. Thanks to Noah Reed, by the way, for letting me use this tune as the uh, intro, outro, theme song for When We Wake. It's his tune, Got You. And thanks to Lauren Taggart for such a wonderful chat. Thank you for being so open and honest and vulnerable. And thank you for such a great album, man. Wow. The Lost Art of Pulling Through is so beautiful. Uh, If you haven't had a listen yourself a favor and give it one when we wake is uh, written hosted edited produced by me andrew shaver originally for broadcast on ckve fm on the south shore of nova scotia if you want to listen to the show live it's every saturday morning 9 30 to 11 atlantic that's gm minus three on covefm.com and if you want to follow me on instagram go for it when we wake radio if you want to send me a, an email, do it. When we wake radio at gmail.com. And if you want to subscribe, like, or follow the podcast, my goodness, by all means, be my guest. Thanks for listening.